Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. Okay, so um, the name of the sermon is To Live For. I'm going to actually speed through this stuff really, really quick because like I said, it's a lot of content, so I'm going to talk pretty fast. Um, So just bear with me and roll with me. But we're just going to go line for line basically through this text. But let me give you the overall overall idea of what's happening here. So... Um, Paul is a father. He's planted these churches. He loves the people that are in the church. He loves what God is doing. Um, when you're a father, your home and the, the, what's going on, the climate of your home is always on your mind, right? I think any, any fathers out there, you know exactly what, 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 you, what I mean, right? So quick story. The other day I was, uh, this, you know, y'all know I have eight kids, right? So when I wake up in the morning, it's usually somebody sitting on my head with a pamper or somebody just back flipping on my spinal cord or something like that. Like, it's usually not a peaceful waking up, right? But the other day, I roll over and I see my wife face to face. No baby in sight, right? So I'm like, man, you might get a little spooning in or something, a little hug or something, right? <laughs> so, if you're not, anyway. But, so I roll over. And I'm holding my wife, and we're sideways, and I'm rubbing her arm, and I'm talking to her. And lo and behold, I feel another little hand come over on my arm. <laughs> like this right here, right? So I peep up, and it's Zoli laying behind her. But she's, she's doing the spooning back there, right? And so she rubs my arm, so I reach over, and now I'm, we're in an embrace, right? And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is funny, but I'm thinking to myself, like, man, the climate is right. She's seeing what love looks like, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, it's amazing. It just seems like something maybe insignificant, you know, but that is huge. The climate, you know what I'm saying? That is, that's what's most important. I get upset when I see my, my, my son and my daughter and them being selfish and not caring for each other, right? So that's, that, that spoke to me. So it's like the father's like the thermostat or whatever. He's always watching what's going on. Well, that's what Paul is to the church. He's watching the churches, and in this text we're about to get into is Paul trying to get their temperature right, all right? So y'all with me? So we're going to go ahead and read through the text or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down in pieces, and we're going to go through uh, one through five real quick. So it says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, hold on, let me stop real quick. I'm sorry. Let me pray before we, we get into this real quick. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, we thank you that, um, we thank you, Father, Lord, that you are literally avalanching us with your love, with your mercy, with your grace, with your correction, with your guidance, Father, Lord. We, uh, we're overwhelmed by the idea that you even let us draw near your word, that we're even allowed to that I can stand up here and even speak your word, that you will use me to do it, Father Lord. And, and, and the mission today is just to, to say what you've said and to explain that clearly, Father Lord. And I pray that you give me grace in that, Father Lord, and that your spirit guides me in doing that, and that your spirit works in this room for everybody to hear, Father Lord. We are all, Father Lord, fall, falling before you on our knees, and we're looking to draw near you and hear you speak to us, Father Lord. And we need you to do that. We need you to do that. 
And uh, so we praise you and we thank you, Father, Lord, that we get to come around you and exalt you together as a church, Father. And we just thank you also for um, all the churches in the city and what's going on in them today. And we pray that people are coming to Christ, Father, in the name of Jesus. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So jumping in there. So verse one. So, there is an, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in yours, which is yours in Christ Jesus, all right? So that's one through... Um, that's one through five right there, right? So what Paul is basically saying to them is this right here. He's like, man, if there's any encouragement, there's any love, he's going through a laundry list of stuff. But he's saying, but if you really want to bring me joy, and he's about to go into something, and he's basically saying, I'll, I'll really know your temperature is really right if this is what's going on, right? Encouragement is awesome. Support is awesome. All of it's a part of the process, but I will really know about the health of your church by this particular thing right here, right? And he goes into these things right here. He says, he says, uh, work with me. All right. Complete my joy of being, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So listen to this right here. The overall idea here is, Paul is trying to get their mind right. And you're going to see that word mind pop up all throughout this text. So he's saying be of the same mind, same love, one mind, and full, full accord, right? So if you're a Honda enthusiast, that's not a Ford or Honda Accord he's talking about. Full accord is about, you know, you didn't catch, <laughs> you didn't catch it. Anyway, so when he says full accord, he's talking about being in harmony, right? He's talking about, that means to... For the church to work properly, it has to work in this harmonious thing or whatever, right? And so I'll give you an example. Like, so when I was younger, I used to be in New Jersey on like Lions Ave or whatever in Newark, New Jersey, right? And so the girls would always be outside jump roping, right? So they'd have to jump rope like this right here, whatever, boom, boom, going for it, right? And just to let you know I'm not soft or whatever, even the gangsters jump roped, all right? So when we're talking trash, all right? I got robbed for my diamond back bicycle on Lion's Ave, all right? So, so it was rough out there, but we jump roped out there, all right? Okay? Got to let off all the pressure for when it's, the streets is hard out there. You got to jump rope a little bit. But, <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, when we jump rope, I'm like, cool, let me, let me get in that thing, right? Let me go, let me go for it. So cool, because they got the little, you know, the little tweed rope or whatever. But then one day, I'm out there. And they're hitting it with the joint that looked like a freaking leather whip. So it's now when you jump in, it ain't like you get hit and you're like, oh, I'm out. It's like that joint catches you like, pow! You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, I don't want to play this kind of jump rope. Where's the little soft little rope, right? Church is like that, right? Church is like that. It's just like that. It's like, it's like man, you will get hit and you will get hurt. And the best thing we can do to avoid getting hurt it's if we get in harmony, right? Boom, boom, boom. And you jumping in, you skipping, you, if you do them tricks, like some girls be like, shouldn't they be jumping? You know what I'm talking about? All right, so I'm not going to do that again. Sorry, y'all had to see that. 
But I'm, what I'm saying is, it works with a harmony, right? They're in sync with each other. There's so many people, like, like all of us, there's a lot of us, we talk you know, amongst each other. We, we've been hurt by the church, a lot of us. We all got stories we can tell. And a lot of times those hurts have happened because people haven't been in harmony. And I'm talking about harmony right now, but in a minute I'm going to be kind of explicit about what that actually is or whatever, right? We already heard it's about being in the same mind, same love, um, one mind full of accord. But those are kind of vague. We're going to get into the more specifics of it. But people have been hurt, and some people don't even want to play jump rope no more because they like, you're going to bust me in the head with that rope. Well, we're humans, so that's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. But it, it happens a lot less when we work in harmony and when there's forgiveness, right? And when there's grace for each other. Girlfriend, you hit me with the rope. Get your harmony game. Okay, I forgive you. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing or whatever. So people try to step out of this and they try to do it and they try to be a loner in it. Um, we can't do that either. That's not an option. Paul's not offering that as an option. Um, I just want to read you a quote that Piper says or whatever. But he says, loners are not wise. Wisdom is given and found and forged in the fire of committed relationships, right? It's in the fire. I've told y'all many times, man, we, me and Matt couldn't do this together if we didn't fight, if we didn't yell across the table, if we didn't disagree, if we didn't hurt each other's feelings, it wouldn't work. We'd be just giving you like kind of this game of flattery and just smiling, trying to play cute for you, whatever. But that's not real at all. The real thing is that sometimes it gets rough. But the real thing is that this grace and this mercy and this harmony thing that does this work, it draws us closer and closer as part of the process, right? So that's what he's actually pointing to right here, whatever, right? So you got to jump in and play rope. All right. And then verse three says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, right? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So I just want to read this first part right here. So in the midst of quarrels and, 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 and quarrels and arguments that we have inside this church, you're going to always find yourself as the, the selfishness is going to be the root of it every single time, right? It's selfishness. You're going to be like, oh, I don't like so-and-so because she wore the same dress and who wore it best? She did. She beat me or whatever. And you're going to have issues or whatever. I see y'all on Read Star Magazine, Gossip Magazine, I'm sorry. Anyway, y'all know the who wore it best? Come on, girls, where you at? All right, anyway, we'll keep on going. All right. So, but there's always going to be his selfishness, and that's what he's pointing to. He's hitting some direct things, like he gave them same mind, same love, one mind, and full accord, harmony. And he's pointing directly to what will be the thing that will attack that harmony. It will be selfish ambition. It will be conceit, which is an exaggerated view of yourselves. Like when you think you're cute and you think it is all about you and this whole thing revolves about around you and oh my God, this person stepped on my toes and they actually did this right here or whatever and now you have a problem because they injured you. And it's not to say that that's not true and it's not to undermine the fact that your feelings will get hurt, but it's saying that this harmony thing, it works through forgiveness, mercy, Grace, esteeming others higher than yourself, right? So it's like, if I can paint you this picture real quick, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead of myself because we're going to go here. But Paul is saying, get your mind right. In verse 5, he says, have, let me go from 4. He says, let each of you not only look to, your, to his own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. In other words, esteem highest people higher than yourself. Plot your course based on how it works for other people, right? So a lot of what we, we, we plan in life or whatever, we move places based on how it works for us, right? But this is just one idea. But what if you thought about, if I move here, this might help this community right here, right? Or like, man, we checking out the budget. I know somebody, single mother in college right now. I know she needs a little bit of this money. We can set something aside. He's talking about being mindful, being intentional. He's talking about a church that is conscious and fully aware and fully awake of what they have been called to do. Y'all tracking with me? And he's saying, watch for selfish ambition and watch for conceit because it will be your enemy. And he finishes that sentence by saying, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. While I'm preaching, just ponder for a minute if you walked around this building and that was your mindset all the time. When you show up to church like, hey, we're here to get the work. Everybody's more important than me. And then you're just looking for something to get in and serve and love and help. You're not even thinking about people stepping on your toes, offending you because you didn't laid yourself so low beneath them, right? For the glory of God. That's the picture he's painting to us. This is like gangster, gangster stuff. This is like church for real. Like, y'all with me? This is jump roping on lines ass stuff. All right? Okay. All right. Okay, so we're at, we're at verse five. It says, Has, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There he goes again, have that mind among yourselves. The father is trying to get the mind of his people right, right? He's a concerned father. In verse six it says, who though he was in the form of God, he's about to point us to Jesus Christ right now as an example. So he said all this stuff to us prior. Now he's about to actually point to Jesus Christ. And he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped grasps, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When I read this, the thought that comes to my mind is that if it was worth Jesus dying for, then it has to be worth us living for, right? It has to be worth us living for. Like he gave his life for it. And, 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 and the thing about it is this right here. And I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I'm going to say it now. When I read this scripture right here, when I read about them talking about Jesus and saying stuff like, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and, and, and he emptied himself and he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, it's absolutely horrifying. I have no idea what that means. I get the overall statement and it's a beautiful idea, but I don't understand God if I'm gonna be truthful with you. I don't understand somebody who makes the sun I don't. I don't understand somebody who gives us air to breathe, right? I know the scientific explanation of that, but I can't get to the end of that. Who made that happen? It is absolutely horrifying. And then when it comes to the idea of trying to grasp 
what humility looks in that humility looks like, I feel foolish even trying to grasp it. Equality with God, becoming a man you've created, dying for that man, dying on the cross, which is utter disrespectful, just what is that even? I don't even grasp that. I don't get it. Let me read Philippians um, 1, 21 through 26, right? Philippians 1, 21 through 26 says this. This is Paul talking. He says, for, for, to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire to depart and be with Christ. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Apparently, Paul has bought into the idea that if it's worth Christ dying, it's worth him living for, right? So he's literally stuck between the idea of like, man, I've been shipwrecked. I'm getting bit up by snakes or whatever. I'm sitting in prison, prison, earthquakes are happening, prisons are collapsing on me. He is going through so many things for the glory of Jesus Christ, right? But he is, he is weighing his struggles by the idea of what Christ did, this thing we just read about Christ humbling himself, he's looking at that and he's like, it has to be worth living for. I mean, he's not confused. He's like, man, it will be better to be with God. Who doesn't want to go be with God? That is the better of the two. But then again, I'm convinced, persevering for the glory of God and for the gospel to go forward would actually be better. My salvation is secure. I'm going to see him. So I'm going to keep on pushing through. Y'all get that? Man, he, 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 is, he has it on the front of his mind. He's not playing games. Church isn't just something you do on Sunday. He's in it to win it, right? He's all the way in it. And he's not speaking from the cheap seats, right? He's, he's telling them earlier in the text, the whole imperial guard is talking about Jesus Christ. Because an earthquake came and I, did, and, and I didn't run and leave, and I convinced the other prisoners not to leave, that Christ might be glorified. And we heard that story. He leads the guard to Christ when he's about to commit suicide, right? Converts him, converts his family, and the rest of the whole guard is there. So he's like, yo, it seems like being in prison right now is bearing fruit. In American church, we'd be like, hey, you're in jail, uh... You did something, homie. I don't know what you did. We're going to pray for you, but I can't mess with you, right? We wouldn't, but this is, he's looking at this like this is bearing fruit. People are meeting Christ because I'm sitting in here suffering. He is not confused about that. I know whenever we get mad and we get stuck in the jam, we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Lord, Lord, are you with me? I don't know. Did you leave me, Father Lord? Did I do something wrong? Did I misstep, whatever? Was my tithing game not good enough? What's going on? We go through all of this stuff, right? Could it be that Christ is using some of our hard circumstances to bear fruit in us, to teach us something? Or maybe somebody's watching from the sideline and they're being encouraged because you are rejoicing through it? Man, 
I want to read Mark 12, um, Mark 12, 28 through 34. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing, seeing that he answered them well, um, answered them well, asked them, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him a question. So basically what's going on here or whatever is Jesus is telling like, homie, you're getting your temperature up to par. You, you you, You getting there. You getting there. And listen to what he said. This is far better than all of the traditions, all of the sacrifices, that I would love God with all my heart, keep that on the front of my mind, right? Be intentional, put my strength into loving God, right? That's what he's saying right there. He said, this is far better. And then I would love my neighbor as myself. Esteem, like, like, that's like, that's like the golden rule in full effect. It, it, it's, it's, you know, when we look back and we're like, man, he, selfish gain, conceit, all of that selfishness, all, everything about self is at war with what God wants to do with his church, how he moves it forward, forward to his glory, right? Jesus is telling this man, you're getting your temperature right, man. You're on the right track. That's it. We can't be um, content with doing church well. And not loving our neighbor as ourself. We run in a fever bad, right? We run in a fever something serious. That will always, if you're trying to figure it out, look around the room. And if you don't see people bringing themselves low for the sake of other, other people, then you know we're, in, we're off course, right? You know that you may need to t- tap your brother and sister on you know what I'm saying, on the shoulder. You know you may t- need to take a long look in the mirror and evaluate yourself and where you're at and what the gospel is doing to you, right? But we brothers and sisters, so you can grab a couple people and we can have the conversation and encourage each other because that's how that goes too, right? But that's how we take our temperature. Paul is, he's saying if it's worth him dying, it's worth us living for So I just want to take a moment real quick right here. And I want to, um, there is a lie that I believe Satan has been telling me this and he's been telling the church this, right? And I want us to deal with it because I think this scripture points right to it. It's this idea that we are just existing, Right? I've had this conversation with people lately. I just was talking to somebody recently and they were telling me, they're like, man, I just feel like, feel like I'm not doing nothing. Like I don't know my purpose. I feel like I'm just existing. 
And me being a pastor, I jumped in and gave them some good old pastoral advice. And then later I went home to go to sleep and I'm staring at the roof and I said, well, man, I feel like I'm just existing, <laughs> right? And, 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 and I feel like God spoke to me. I feel like, you know, I've been off for a month or whatever and we got a new baby and we got another baby in Pampers and we're trying to train one and, um, you know, to get out of Pampers and all that other stuff. And, man, I haven't been able to breathe for a minute and I haven't been reading my word. And God just reminded me, he said, my word is a light unto your feet. You're confused. You haven't been in it. And it's done the trick. I've just been falling asleep reading the word. I haven't even been reading it. I've been so delirious and so tired, I haven't even been reading it. I was t talking to the Bible study about this the other day. I've just been like laying my cheek on the Bible and laying like this right here. But the fact that I'm so disrespectful to neglect this word and the fact that he's calling me back to it, it the gospel is hitting me just holding it. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you let me touch this thing. This is a God who I can't fathom, and he's calling me to him. And so that's just been doing the trick, you know? But the thing is this right here. You are not just existing. Nobody in this room is just existing. We have bought into this fake humility, and if I can generalize this, in the American church, right? We've bought into this fake humility of not being intentional, not being mindful, not being aware of what's going on. And it, and it messes with the way we step, function, and move, right? There is over 70% of black homes are fatherless. I am not crazy to think that God is not using me and my wife for his glory. Do you understand that? I'm not confused about that. My wife got pregnant at 15 years old. Her father left their family. They lived in hotels for years all through high school, heating up their food on hot plates, lost their house, lost everything. She still managed to skip a grade and graduate with a 4.0. We're not supposed to be here. We are not just existing. That's not a story about how awesome we are. That's about how broken we are and how good God is. We're not just existing. The Lord spoke to me when I was on the way to go murder somebody in full rebellion. I wasn't having a moment where I wanted the Lord. I was going to take somebody's life. It horrifies me that he would speak to me out of thin air and then start working on me to redeem my family, right? And when I talk about being a father and a husband now, I'm fully aware that my father who left us, I'm no better than him. I proved it already. So it's not like I'm like, I'm doing the thing and I'm going to change the family. The Lord is doing something to me that is producing fruit. I am not just existing. It's not happening. There's 2.5% diversity inside of the church in the United States, approximately 2.5%. And we stand as a church with a black and white pastor on the corner of Confederate and Liberty. You think we're just existing? This is a monument to the glory of God. He's doing something with this. And I know we get lost in it sometimes, but he's doing something. We would be crazy to not think that is the case. But we got to wake up and get on the front of our mind and stop being nonchalant about it. It's a big deal. If it's worth him dying for, it's worth us living for, right? 
moms at home with your babies and the devil keeps whispering in your ear that you are not doing anything significant, that is a lie from the pits of hell. People are killing babies out here left and right. You are changing the game right now. You are doing the most out here, all right? Let me tell you how much I know. I was in the house the other day. All the kids are running around everywhere. Zoli comes through. No, excuse me. Seven. I can't remember the names. Too many of them. <laughs> Seven comes through. And I swear to you, she had a Scud missile in a pamper, right? And I'm, I'm on the recline. Everybody's running around the house. Lana keeps buzzing through the living room. And I know she's going to smell and she's going to say, Jay, change that pamper. And I was on like the recliner, right? This is so wrong. Lord, forgive me. I hit one of these numbers on her. <laughs> I went into a coma on her real quick. I was like, please, Lord. Selfish, man. Moms are like superheroes out this thing, man. Like for no joke. No. All day long, all right? Singles. People are right now and they're waiting for a husband or wife or no, it's hard. But you're not just existing. You're not just existing. God is using you for his glory. It may not always look how you want it to look, but he's using you for his glory. You contending and working through that and the trials that come with that to the glory of God, right? I've told, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I, um, I'm going to just tell it again because it's one of the stories I never want to forget, right? But a couple years ago, I was out at the beach, and, um, and so Lana was actually at the beach, like, praying for people, and she was with some other ladies or whatever, so I was, like, chilling on, like, the little wood thing that goes over from the boardwalk to the beach, and so when I was there, I see this guy come up, and, and I'm leaning on the rail, and he's on the other, he's on the other rail, and um, he comes up, and like this guy looked like he was old and young at the same time. Like alcohol had like, clearly done like a number on him. But I mean, it was really weird. His skin was really, really smooth, but his face was really aged, really sunburned at the same time, right? And so he, um, so I looked over at him, and he opens up the cup, and I think he had, I'm thinking he has liquor. And I said to him, I said, man, I said, bro, what you drinking over there? And I thought he had like some Hennessy or E&J or something like that. And um, no, nobody howled for that because we don't want to. All right, anyway. All right, so. <laughs> All right, and so. But anyway, so I start talking to him, right? And I just wanted to talk. I was like, man, I hope he's not about to guzzle that down. And we start talking. And this guy is a believer. And he's actually drinking coffee, right? A big old cup of coffee. And he, um. I start talking to him. We start talking about Jesus. We're talking through the gospel, and we are having an amazing time together, right? And by the time we get done, I said, bro, man, I said, listen, what, what do you need, homie? Let's go get it. You want a hotel room tonight, whatever, get clean and bathe in or whatever? You know, we can make it happen. Let's do it. And this guy looks at me and says, now, never forget it. He says, Jay, I've been an alcoholic. He goes, I used to be rich, like rich, rich. And he goes, I have shamed my family to an extent you can't even imagine or comprehend, right? And he said, Jay, I don't need anything. He said, I met Jesus at the bottom. This is the best place I've ever been. 
Man, he walked off. I was crying like a baby. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. To most people, this guy's life would look like a wreck from the side view. That's what I thought it was when I looked over there. He existed to help me. He spoke something to me that blew my mind just by saying that. He's not just existing. He's not just existing. It may look rough. It looks like suffering, no doubt. But he's in the sweet spot. He's not just existing. He exists for the glory of God. What I'm trying to tell you is God will use your train wreck for his glory. You feel where I'm coming from? He will use your train wreck for his glory. I'm telling you the truth. All right, 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The, um, that, I think most of us have probably heard this scripture right here before. Um, and I've always been kind of thrown by what it means when it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That has probably meant several um, different things to me over time or whatever. Um, you know, especially in my extreme religiousness, it, it's meant like, oh my God, you better get it right. That's what it meant to me or whatever, right? But um, when I was studying this, I actually looked up several different commentaries on it and, um, and, and, and people hit it from so many different angles that I really didn't feel comfortable with adopting people's exact explanation of it because there were so many. But I'm just going to tell you what it means to me personally. And, uh, and if you don't think it's wrong and you want to grab me later on and push on the idea of what I'm saying, I'm fine with that also. But what that means to me, right, is... I'm going to tell you like this right here. I'm going to use this. The other day I had a conversation with two friends of mine. And, um, and, and uh, they're, 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 both of them are in lesbian relationships. And we met up and, and uh, they loved to talk to me and stuff or whatever. And we sat down and, um, and we were, so, so I didn't know one of them. She was actually, um, she was coming for counsel about something and she was trying to come out to her family um, about her sexuality and stuff or whatever, right? And they know my stance as a pastor. They know my stance as a pastor, what I believe in everything. But out of, out of their mouth, they said, the reason we asked to talk to you is because despite the fact that you disagree with us, we believe you love us, right? So, we, you know, the, you know the, excuse me, the one said that. She was like, I believe you love me. Like, so I'm okay with us contending on ideas and talking through it, right? And so the one girl that was new there, she begins to talk. And when she's talking within the first couple of, seconds my heart is breaking right and she's talking about how she grew up in this Christian family and she's heard them talk freely about homosexuals and because of what she's heard she's like there's no way in the world I can tell them this right she's like there's no way in the world she's like the option here is lose my family or keep this to myself you right and she makes a statement, she goes, you know, 
if I have to, I'll keep this to myself for the next 10 years. And I'm looking at him and said, no, you're not. You're not going to be able to. Because I can tell you this close to suicide, like you're dying inside. And what hurt so much about what she was saying was it was pulling out the hypocrisy in myself. Because what I saw right there was somebody who was hurting so bad. And all she had was this law, be right or you can't exist. Be right or you can't, you can't even tell us that you're on the wrong side of it because we'll crush you. And, and, and the thing was, is when she spoke, she said, man, I've, I've been dealing with this since I was a kid and I've been praying about it and this and that and so forth and everything else. She wanted counsel, but she was never allowed to come out of the corner to speak. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? And so I know there's different ideas on this, but I just tried to listen. All right. And, 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 and I just felt her hurt and I felt her pain. And the thing is, every time I got ready to hit her with my good old Christian quote that I know to say in these situations, several Christians had already beat me there, but nobody had showed up with love. And it was killing me and I was seeing myself and I was about to kill over on the table while I was talking to him. When I went home that night, I was so sick to my stomach and I couldn't sleep and my peace was taken so bad. And the thing is, we, we sat down and they let me ask them questions. I said, hey, I said, hey, can I ask you questions about being a lesbian? I said, yo, you know where we're at on this thing, whatever. And I said, hey, look, I'm not your cool pastor. I'm going to ask you some stuff and I'm probably going to hurt your feelings and you're probably going to walk away feeling I'm ignorant. And I'm like, I am ignorant like that. I wish I could tell you I'm better than that, but I'm curious. So I'm, have mercy on me. Let me ask questions or whatever. And I said, you, and you ask me whatever you want. Criticize me, criticize whatever, you know what I'm saying? And let's talk, but let's have mercy in the conversation. And the thing was, it's not that I didn't feel that they were deceived and off on some things. But it was just this crazy thing going on where I was seeing the hypocrisy of the church on a level that was absolutely crazy and how we were crushing so many people and missing the opportunity to love on people. Devastating to me. The Bible says the harvest is plenty. I don't got to figure nothing out. I don't have to give you no deep theology on that. It is because he said it is. Plain and simple. The harvest is plenty, right? But if you don't show up to get the harvest, then... But that's another thing. That's neither here nor there. This is the thing. What it looks like to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, to me, it looks like me walking around feeling sick to my stomach about my brokenness and at the same time, God getting higher and higher and higher in my eyes, Right? So it's, it's the, it's a, it's like a, it's like a, I'm wounded, like a, you know what I'm saying? It feels like me being wounded. It feels like me understanding that he's so holy that I'm scared to come grab his word any type of way. I'm scared to just sling it out and say, yo, you said that. It's dangerous. It can hurt some people really, 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 really bad. That type of hurt goes on for generations and does all type of stuff, whatever, right? 
And so Paul, he's saying, get this on your mind. Get it on the front of your mind. Be fully awake. Work this out with fear and trembling because there is not this other thing that you can do outside of this. This is the thing, right? This same mind, this same love, that's the dance, right? This love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that's the gospel two-step right there. If you start trying to do the Dougie, you done messed up. That's all you got to work with, all right? I'm horrified by that type of mercy. I'm horrified that I woke up in the bed the next day feeling that disgusting, that fearful of the type of hurt that has been caused, but yet I still got to wake up as a son. I don't understand that type of mercy. I don't understand that type of love. It's horrifying to me. It's horrifying to me. It makes me approach his word with a certain type of but then at the same time, I get to come in on bowl mode. I get to come in like a son and drink the milk out the carton. You feel me? I can. I can do it. But I might not just drink the milk out the carton because that's daddy. You know what I'm saying? And I love him. His love is scary to me. It's beyond anything I could fathom in my mind. Fourteen. We're going to end it with eight. We're going to go 14 through 18, and then we'll wrap everything up. So it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And uh, basically, what he's saying is don't undo what I've taught you about being of one mind. What I'm speaking of about being of um, sacrificing, suffering to the glory of God. Don't undo it with grumbling and disputing. He's just pointing us directly to some things that work against everything. These are the way you take the temperature. If you see that going on, you know some mess is in the air. You know Satan is trying to move in on God's bride, right? You kill it. You don't get behind the position for the argument and everything else and, and, and escalate the situation. You come in with yourself below and you see how you can de-escalate it. We're humans. It'll happen. But there's a way we deal with this stuff. And grumbling and disputing tells us our temperature is off says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. If I could just sum this up real quick, the world would be like, why in the world would you allow yourself to be poured out as a drink offering for somebody else? Everything in this world is about get it, get your money, get right, you know, go after it. And it says it right here, because you are existing as to shine as lights in a dark world. That's it. That is why you will esteem somebody higher than yourself. That is the two step right there. Love God with all your heart. Keep that on the front of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. All right. That's my sermon right there, y'all. I, uh, I just want to take a minute to pray 
um, before we close out. We're going to take communion like we always do. Um, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're new here and you're not a believer, um, the word says don't take this communion. Like when it comes to fear and trembling, it's like you don't play with the table. It represents Jesus Christ, the sacrifice he made that he died on the cross for us, right? He gave his life, he humbled himself. He had equality with God, yet he humbles himself. He comes to earth and his life is poured out as an offering for us. And he died on the cross that we could be set free, right? So you get hit with Jesus' resume for your filthy resume, for all of your sins. And that's why we um, take communion. The drink represents his blood and the uh, bread represents his body. And so we do this to celebrate him. And so as the band plays, we're going to do that, right? Um, also, we, um, we, we, we want to give you the opportunity also if you want to give right now. And, I'm, and we do giving as an act of worship. I didn't preach for you to give. Um, that's not what we do. Giving is not going to get you closer to God. That's not what's going to happen. But I am going to speak to you as um, for, you, for you that are members and that um, are family. We need you to be behind our church. We need you to partner with it. I'm not saying anything that um, if I wasn't preceding you in this, I wouldn't say this to you. But I'm saying it as your pastor. I'm saying it because I love you. I'm saying it because I'm concerned about our church staying right here where it's at and God using it to affect people's lives and to change our city, right? I have homeboys that I've been rolling with for 20 years, 20 years, and we done did so much stuff that if we mentioned it, we'd be in prison for the rest of our life. But they're sitting in this church because God is doing something because we're not existing. Because we're not existing. You're a part of that. They've heard me talk about Jesus 50 million times. But they get caught up in the corner and start hearing it. God is doing something. This isn't about Matt and Jay and how we preach. This is about this community and what God is doing, right? It's about 1122 pouring into us over here. It's about churches and cities you don't even know about pouring into here, right? Like God is doing something. We're not just existing. And so I just want to encourage you to be intentional with your giving. Like there's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with right now financially with the church. And I say that you give you give to the church. I'm not going to talk in secret code and everything else or whatever. We all stand together to pour into what God is doing here. Right. So it's important. I just want you to know that I'm speaking to church members. Don't take that as me pressing on you. Um, if you're not a member of this church, but if God is compelling you, then give, all right? So that's that right there, whatever. And these are the ways you can give online, check, text, and everything else. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the way I would contend with you is this right here. It's the best thing in, in the world. Who wouldn't want someone that would die for them? Like, who wouldn't want to live for somebody like that, right?
I know what it's like to be dead and then to be alive. Like, I, I, I understand that. That's not just a cliche phrase. It's real. Christ is real. His love is real. His guidance, that path we talked about, that is real. I've always been a person without a plan. And when I came to Christ, I just was like, Lord, I know how to destroy everything I touch. That's what I'm good at. So I need you to tell me when to go left, and I need you when to tell, go, tell me when to go right. Like, and he led me into my wife. He led me into my kids. He led me into this family. He led me into this church. And he's been guiding the step all the way. And I'm up here like, Lord, I know I'm half stupid, but you're using me for your glory. He's using all of us for his glory. And if you want to be a part of that, you want to be a part of our family, when we get done today, I'll be standing on the side of the stage. Come talk to me. We'll pray through it. We'll work through it. If you got some mess going on and you just feel like, I can't come up there, I'm dirty, I'm filthy, or whatever this and that, man, I came up super filthy. God is not saying get right and then come to him. He's calling you. He's calling you as you are. And he just starts from there, all right? So let's just pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you, Father, Lord, that you are... Um, you're faithful to us. We, um, we have no right to be called your children. Yet you allow us to be called your children, Father. You're patient with us. You walk with us. You talk with us. Everything we touch would be destroyed. Our families and everything we touch would be destroyed without your guidance, Lord. I don't quite know how to put words in it, but Father, Lord, all I can say is I'm scared for you to leave me. But I thank God that you said you would never leave us, Father, Lord. Father, we pray, Father, Lord, that you would continue to work in this church that your spirit will continue to move, Father Lord, that people's lives will continue to be changed, Father Lord, that, Father Lord, you would put it on the front of our mind, Father Lord, that you, you are worth living for, that you are worth living for, Father Lord, that we are not just existing, Father Lord. We cancel that lie and we bind it up in the name of Jesus. We are not just existing, Father Lord. We are the strong arm of God. You are doing damage and a mighty work with your people, an imperfect people. So we praise you and we honor you, Father Lord. You gave your life for this to happen. Forgive us for being so nonchalant about it, for being ungrateful, for being unthankful, for being unaware. Father Lord, wake us up by your spirit. Wake us up by your spirit. Let us be intentional. Let us be awake. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.